this like striving, 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 performing, it's just crap. Like this is just something we're, we're participating in without questioning it, you know? Um, and yeah, that started to like dehypnotize me from you should be this, you should be that. If you do this, you'll feel this feeling. It's like the feelings, the peace, that's all in you. Like that's here now. That's always here. Whether you're there feeling it or not, that, that is a journey you can take, but it's, it's not on the other side of the runway. It's not on the other side of that gold medal. Like if you bring your whole self into those goals, you'll be able to feel satisfied once you reach the goal. But if you do the goal to get the thing, ooh, that sucks. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on again. It's time for us to get some motivation, inspiration, get fired up. Because we know that we're going to get, you know how life goes. We get the up, we get the down. Sometimes the down is down. But we need to get back up there. So what do we do? We take some encouragement, some hope. We know that somebody else has been through something. They got through it. And we can use their help, their advice to help us get through it. Today, my guest, she's going to be talking about, you know, when we have families that have goofed up and whatever and whatnot, how do we deal with it? Family members. You know, she says, like, her brother uh, was bullied and everything. And how do you deal with the help your brother has been bullied? Her father, prison, then later on, suicide. And not to mention her own issues, car accident and stuff that went on. And so let's let's get into this. You know, how do you build this positive mindset? How do you get this resiliency when it seems like the world around you, which is so close to you, inside you, is crumbling as well? So welcome to the show. Let's go here. Gina Smith. Hello. How are you today? I appreciate you being here. Thank you. I am well. As I said, it's sunny in Ontario, Canada. And at this stage, when it's the springtime, it's like, oh, the sun's coming out. And I, I right, said, said to you a minute ago, I'm outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to hit 60 degrees. Sun is out there already. We're at about 65 tomorrow. Then the next day, we got one to three inches of snow coming, only high of 30 degrees. So we, we call March in our area, we call March our bipolar month. Yeah. So it doesn't know if it wants to be sunny or cold. And so we're all over the place, windy, whatever else. So we call it our bipolar month. Uh, for sure. It's the uh, air conditioner, heater, air conditioner, heater. Like, you know, once it moves on and then you're wearing flip flops and a winter coat or whatever. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's right. We're doing what we can. Yeah. So, all right. Gina, again, thank you for being here and uh, sharing your story, your journey and everything and put you where you're at today. And uh, yeah, I want to find out, you know, when our family's going through a big old ball of everything, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do you maintain this resiliency? How do you maintain this positive mindset? How do you get through this diversity, this cha- challenge and everything? So right. I'm going to let you jump in. Yeah, You yeah. put us in the position where you see fit and we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just as you mentioned about family, uh, like the truth is when you are a kid, um, 
I'm a psychotherapist. I'm a trained psychotherapist, but then I also um, veered into um, deep spiritual work, um, shamanic nature work, um, just anything that would heal. And so that's, you know, like a movie trailer for next coming. But when you're a kid, you don't know it's going to be okay. And you develop survival mechanisms. You, you get, you do what you need to do to get through it. So I'm just going to start with that. So for me, I kind of had like what I thought was a good childhood. You know, we were kind of middle-class and, had the things at Christmas, like, so that, you know, the light was on, there was, there was water, there's food, you know, I was safe. So those needs were met. Um, but the emotional needs were not <laughs> my, my father does have, actually, he did have bipolar and, um, but he didn't know it went untreated. Um, my mom would just kind of like shut down. So she wasn't there and he wasn't there. So it, I felt deeply unsafe and didn't know what that feeling was. And as a kid, it's like, you're, like you need to feel safe, right? This is the main mm-hmm. thing. All the stuff doesn't matter. So um, my dad had a breakdown and, it, it, and then he, you know, the police were called. Um, it was called a standoff. I don't know if you know what that is, where like he's inside, the cops are outside. They barricaded for many, many blocks. All my neighbors were taken out of their homes. And there's this picture of my neighbors running in terror um, in the in the newspaper, the front page of the newspaper. It's a small town, 8,000 people. Small town in Canada isn't that different than small town in the States, by the way, too. <laughs> so like I've realized that when I've traveled. So, you know, um, before, just before that, um, my brother, as you'd also mentioned, he had just started bullying me. So he used to be my best friend. And then suddenly it's like everything that was in him that I know this now, everything that was in him that he couldn't control, he just dumped on me. So he would make fun of me. He would call me a fat, disgusting piece of shit. I was nine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're nine, you're, you don't even know what that means. You're just like, well, something's wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. So, you know, there was that consistent trauma, you know, it wasn't like one trauma. It was just like the consistent trauma of hearing those voices and being called this thing by someone who's supposed to be your protector. Then, having this breakdown and the the news and the media and everyone in the town knowing, you know, as far as I was concerned that that I'm broken, like we're broken. Um, and, and just the, you know, shame, if people don't know what shame is like for me, it was, I didn't want to go outside. I didn't, I didn't want to do the things I normally do because, you know, I know now I just didn't want to be seen. I just didn't want to, deal with people. My God, what are they going to say? And I just didn't feel safe anywhere. And so, you know, back then I had nothing. I just kind of survived, got through, went to school. I was the good girl. I was the straight A's. I was, you know, okay. I'm just like, like hung on to those identities of I'm, I'm the smart one. I'm, I'm nice. I'm this. And if I wasn't those things, I don't even know what would have happened, but those types of things get you by. So I say that because they're intelligent, you know, right now they maybe don't serve me as much because they can get in the way. Um, so then when I was 15, so I had all this, you know, family stuff going on. I still went to school, all that kind of stuff. I was just feeling all weird. Um, I was in a car accident and it wasn't just that I was in the car accident. Um, I sustained soft, soft tissue injuries all over. So it wasn't like my, like, like, you know, it wasn't like a completely game changer thing, but it was, but it was like silent and hidden because it was chronic pain throughout my entire body. Um, I couldn't mm-hmm. get deep sleep. I couldn't get any sleep. I was then thrust into the world of insurance companies and like 
proving you have pain, going to this appointment, going to that appointment. So you think about 15, you know, like carefree, I'm a teenager, la la. But I was like appointments and this and dealing with pain. And, you know, again, didn't have the resources at the time. At this point, after my dad had went to jail, we moved into a small apartment. Um, so now my bully brother was like right down, right down from me. And my dad wasn't there to be like the authoritative, like, don't mess with your sister energy. So I felt really unsafe there. And I was dealing with chronic pain. So all that to say, like, when I was in it back then, it, it felt like I was just getting through the day. It felt like I did want to press the snooze button. Um, I did want to hide, you know, I would do my best to go out in the world and convince everyone everything's fine. But you know, I had no idea how to deal with those, the intensity of emotions that were coming up. Um, I started emotional eating at that time as well, discovering, okay, what will make me feel better? What can I do to feel better? And, you know, so that lasted most of that time. Luckily, um, and what I believe is like when you have resources to match your challenge, it, you can move through them differently. And so I was singing at the time and I also love nature. So all of this stress, all of this chaos, go out to nature and I could breathe and feel like something made sense. Like, like nature made sense to me when I would sing and discovered I could sing um, and that I would also feel free. I would also feel like an escape without. Mm -hmm. So healthy things like that. Um, and so those got me through. And so I was like, oh, I can sing. I'm a good singer. I'm going to leave my small town, go to the city, go to university. I'm going to be the next Celine Dion. Like it's done. This is happening. Um, there you go. Yeah. That was, so that was the goal. It was like, I had this thing to, to override all of the challenge. I was like, I'm going to do this. So I got into York university. I was doing singing. It's like university was great, but I was starting to feel better in my body. I, I learned how to weight lift. Um, I started learning Reiki at age 15 after the car accident. So I was doing energy work, weightlifting, nutrition, I started to feel better with friends. Like I was lovable. I was worth being around. I was valuable without needing to be the nice person and the perfect person that started to occur. Um, and I started to feel like me, like I got these glimpses of how I am, but this shame and the old stuff really kept chasing me. It was like, Oh, I feel really good. And then, you know, it, it would, it would come at me again. Like, no, you're not Lola, all the feelings in my body, all the thoughts in my head. So I started, you know, not just like energy work. That's when I started psychotherapy with my university and it was just perfect. It was the perfect time for me to be able to unpack things, start to feel things. Cause you can't heal when you're in it. You can't heal when you're surviving. You know, you just got to like be compassionate, get through, do your best every day. And sometimes that means I'm going to get through this day. I'm going to get through this day. Like sometimes brushing your teeth and getting out of bed, it's like, woo, like <laughs> you, yeah. you know, um, people, I think when people say like, what can you do to feel better when you're like that? Yeah. Sometimes the goal is just, to embrace your survival for that moment in time and know it's not going to be forever, you know, um, as all these stories that your podcast are telling you, I'm sure like, okay, this happened. And then, um, in, in most stories. So I, I wasn't the next Landy on, <laughs> I, I had 40 K debt from university and realized, Oh, a music degree doesn't really get me. I got, I, I got, I got, I got to pay this back. 
<laughs> I was really so delusional. Like I was just like, yeah. I got OSAP. OSAP is our student loan, um, Ontario student loans. And I was sitting on my kitchen table, just stunned. Like, wait, none of this worked out. Like, I like I, I wasn't discovered and. And not only that, I didn't have a, I didn't have a backup plan. No, I did not. All full speed ahead. No, it it all hit me like a ton of bricks when I thought, oh, okay. Oh, my dream isn't working. Okay. Well, well. so at the time, you know, in order to be a singer, you need to be hot, right? It was in my mind, right? Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera at the time. Uh, so I'm in the gym like five, six days a week. People start asking me questions. How do you do this? How do you do that? I'm like, maybe I could do this for a living. And so I stumbled into this career in fitness, which is just hilarious because because of the chronic pain and the bullying, I actually did become overweight because, uh, you know, kind of like when I was thinking when you're told something so long and then, okay, your body's broken. And if I did work out and I was fit and thriving, the insurance company wouldn't pay for my um, care. Mm-hmm. And it's like this body was a prison. Um, so, but by the time I got into university, I was able to embrace the fitness, the insurance stuff was completed. Uh, so I got a job in, in physical fitness as a personal trainer, which is just hilarious to me, but I loved it. It was like, do this, do that, the strengthening, the focus, like it focuses your mind as well. Um, but you know, during that time I still like, I was really fit. I looked successful. I had the world convinced. And I just want to say this because I wasn't fully healed. I couldn't really trust it. it I would wake up in the morning with anxiety. Like I got to keep this up. I don't know. Like the voices in my head were still so strong. So the psychotherapy was going really well. Um, I was doing personal training at the time. Um, and then I like, I don't know if you guys talk about this phenomenon called synchronicity. Like when things just align. Like, it's like bizarro. It's like, I was seeing my psychotherapist and there was, I was starting to see this really cool doctor. He was an MD doctor doing psychotherapy and he would just sit in his big comfy chair and he'd like listen. And he was just so chill. And I thought that seems cool. People come to me for advice all the time. I'm going to be a psychotherapist. Okay. And then all my friends are like, duh, like, do you think this is, you You know, this is so for you, this, you helping people a hundred percent. Um, so I, then, you, you were helping people, but you weren't other than seeing your psychotherapist, you weren't really helping yourself. I mean, no. you opened up to him and, but you weren't really doing little things at home to improve yourself, uh, mentally yeah. and emotionally. I mean, I, I was, but they wasn't working like, okay. Okay. I was working. So I was doing, you know, uh, I, you know, whatever I could do to make the pain go away, to make the shame mm-hmm. go away, to make anxiety go away, I would kind of do it. But then I would do the all or nothing thing. I would like full on, I'm doing affirmations. I'm doing this. I would journal, you know, journal, but it was always like chaotic. Like it wasn't every day creating that consistency mm-hmm. and for your audience. An amazing, amazing free resource is the ACOA adultchildren.org recovery program. So it's for adult children of alcoholics, but it's actually just dysfunctional families. Like when you as a child aren't taken care of, aren't seen, aren't heard, aren't acknowledged, all those wounds, it is a free program that helps walk you through what's called recovery. It doesn't have to be about an addiction. It's just that 
you feel you know scared around conflict, insecure, uh, all these kind of things, it helps heal that. So that's an amazing resource for people. So that what, what was the, that web address again? Yeah, adultchildren.org. Yeah, and um, so eventually I I found that work too. But when you don't do the recovery, the sort of mindset work and that kind of stuff, it's just kind of like the bandaid on the bullet wound thing. Like it's good to have a focus, but yeah. So, so, but you know what you just said, what lands for me about what you just said was I was still the one helping everybody else. Like what I really wanted was someone to help me. Like, can someone just be who I am for others at this point, the way I could listen and give advice and hold space um, because of all the pain I'd been in, like because of all the conflict I developed this capacity um, which is cool now because I can use it in my business. But at the time I felt like no one can meet my needs, like, or like I'm so broken. My needs, you know, my needs will never get met because you know, that's how it felt. Um, but healing. Do you, from- you ever feel like a, um, a traitor, you know, within yourself, here you are helping these other people, but then you're not helping yourself, you know, finding the, the best. Like food for you. Yeah, yeah, imposter. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a traitor, yeah, imposter type. You know, like, I, I'm I'm doing this for them, but I can't. I'm not doing it for myself. Yeah, like at a deep level, it was like I have the whole the whole world convinced. And, and and you have to keep this image up because yeah. so many people look at you and have yeah. been with you and talked with you and got your advice. So you have to keep playing the game even higher. Yes, and that was my survival mechanism that saw that. That was. I'm the good girl. I'm helpful. I'm valuable because I help you, um, you know, caretaker, people pleaser. But what they were also seeing was me that I couldn't see. So they were seeing me as just valuable as being Jenna. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see that. And so um, I actually wrote an article about this. It's on my website, jennasmithcoaching.com about being a love anorexic. And it was this phenomenon of like, once you are given the love, it's so foreign. Once you do get your needs met, you, like your whole system has to adjust to it, like like an organ transplant. Like you have to um, readjust, so it, it doesn't come to mind. You think, oh, I just want the thing I need. But when well, like are- a transplant, you said an organ transplant. You know, and your body's going to reject it without this medicine to help you uh, accept it. So here you are again. You're getting this all this uh, uh, affirmation and getting all this uh, stuff for you, and you're going, "Oh, but I don't deserve it. I still is. I'm still not worth it." And of course, you haven't accepted it, just yes. like your body feeling the organ transplant uh, won't accept a foreign thing like this, and this is foreign coming to you, and so you got to accept it some way or another, other than taking pills with the organ transplant. So yeah. medicine. But the metaphor for the pills would be to acknowledge that there's a process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are things that need to be taken. Into, and so I didn't know that at the time. So I actually met a boyfriend in my 20s that just loved me. Like, and, and he was a football player and he was popular and he was like all the checkmark things. So I'm just like, oh, I don't like, <laughs> like, I couldn't fully receive it. But I had also had a survival mechanism identity of like, the arrogant diva, like I'm a good singer and I'm la la. So I was also like, of course he wants me, blah, blah, blah. Like mm-hmm. as that identity, but like deeply as Jenna, a human woman girl at the time, oh, like, oh, so how do I keep this up? Like, why do you love me? I would actually ask him, why do you love me? And I would like wanna, um, okay, like, 
is it because I'm pretty? Okay, stay pretty. Like, is it because I'm, why do you, I couldn't compute. I had, mm -hmm. I had to have some reason. It couldn't just be because I'm lovable, like, like at all. So, you know, that was my journey of, of like not needing to be the big popular singer, not needing to be skinny, pretty girl, like not needing to be these things to just be enough as I am is sort of my biggest healing of adversity. Cause even though there was like bullying, car accident, chronic pain, eventually dad suicide, like that's, that's not to diminish it. It's kind of just stuff like it's stuff, but to not see yourself and to not know you're deeply worthy and lovable will plague you 24 seven and, and taint everything, all the good things it will taint it. And let, let me go back, uh, Way way back, way back in your your childhood again now, and um, your your brother's bullying you. Mm -hmm. Before you noticed, or before he started bullying, do you feel that you were this low self esteem, low self confidence? Did you yeah. have that? You were just confident, up going, and then yeah, he it, he, he kind of started everything, got the yeah. ball rolling. Yeah. And I, and I think you kind of absorb like why both of my parents are very insecure as well and just kind of mm -hmm. got wise. So there was, there wasn't really a modeling from the parents. Uh, but I just remember not, you know, you just don't think about it. You just go play. You just go, I would uh, make up plays. Like I so said, I'd go play, but I'd actually like write plays with characters and, and play them out in my room and, you know, make believe and imagination. It's kind of like all that imagination and, uh, enthusiasm dies when you have trauma and shame. Like it's like the, you can't access it anymore. So I do remember that, like I would draw just to draw, like I would just do things because the aliveness in me wanted to come through me. But then when you kind of have that trauma stuff, it, it interrupts the aliveness. It, it gets stuck. Right. Yeah. So I don't remember no, like I've been just going to school. Like you're just kind of being when you're a kid. You're just being. And yeah, yeah, not, yeah. You're just being yeah. a kid and everything. And I mean, mm -hmm. no, shouldn't be a lot of stress. Shouldn't be a lot of you know to to. You're just a kid living yeah. the best, living the best life. You know, playing playing like you said and everything. And yeah. and then all of a sudden, this again another foreign thing yeah. come to you with your brother. Yeah. Okay. And then how it lands as trauma is like, I'm wrong. I'm bad. Okay. Well, you know, imagination. Well, and then kids, kids are impressionable. So you, at the young age, you're hearing this from your brother and can recognizing the low self-esteem confidence with parents. Then yeah. you're, then, then you're thinking they may be right. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. you're, you're, yeah. Kids are impressionable. Uh, that's it. They all, it's all like, you know, you know, when people like my parents did divorce, but I didn't, I never made it about me because I already had so much trauma at that point, but you know, and they should have divorced. They were not compatible. Um, you know, they say, you know, like kids are going to think it's their fault. Like, cause that's just how their brain is. You know, like our, our frontal lobe doesn't actually develop till we're 26. Like, that's mm -hmm. why you're like crazy when you're in your twenties. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. So, you know, um, the aliveness and the ability to just be without, that like other voice that's don't do that don't do that oh, oh mm -hmm. what is that person thinking you know what is that what does that face mean like just this hyper vigilance voice voices that aren't you 
right? They're just there to think that they're protecting you. But, you know, that serves you for a while. Like served me for a while to just have the what I needed to get by. But eventually I believe, and I know this from my life, like life started to force me to be like, this is so uncomfortable. You have to look at this. So it would be like, I have to deal with this anxiety. I ha- like, I can't deal. I can't tolerate this anymore. Like this isn't yeah. working for me. And it's that's what I healthy. Mm-hmm. And all of the healers that came to me, my Reiki person, it wasn't like I Googled it, especially when I was 15. They came to me like it was like a friend at high school knows this person, that, that synchronicity element of it just, oh, like they do energy healing. And like, I know you're into that stuff. And so I guess I was always sort of in, into energy when I was really young and going and learning, going and receiving from people these nuggets that would grow over time that would help me deal to not make it so heavy or so hard. And I, I do believe that in most cases, whether it's internal or external, it was for me that I did get what I needed in little morsels. Like I did get certain things I needed at the time. I I like Um, what you're saying there with the little morsels, the little nuggets, because some people like you, you said it earlier, it was all or nothing doing things. Okay. (laughs) So when you go for some type of treatment, some type of help, you don't get all or nothing. You know, you don't get... I don't, I don't know how long you do cancer treatments. Okay. So can I, my mom went through it, but she didn't get, she didn't get several months Yeah, all in one visit, you know, yeah. it's some oh. at a time. So you. when you're, when you're looking for help, getting help, you don't have to catch everything all or nothing the first round. That's why you get so much and you get that little nugget to hang on to until the next time. Get until- that little, yeah. To hang on to get then the says or some people get, overwhelmed with too much because that's their brain they're they're not their brain the brain is fine the mind the cognitive the the high beta brain we have cognitive mind that's like i need it now i need it now i need everything i need it all right now like which which in our society is so rampant um the more like slow gentle kind consistent um taking what comes and working it until the next thing comes which is like trust so the other thing about trust is like, if you're part of nature, right? You think of the same thing, nature. Okay. It's spring. So things are all moving all the time. So much is happening, but that's happening for us too. Like, okay, learn this, read this book. Okay. Now take the time to integrate it because the intelligence of our bodies and our spirit is not to overwhelm us. We overwhelm us. It, it, it has its own rhythm. In, it, in its own timeline, that's sustainable. So a lot of people also do self-work and self-help and they'll like manically impose change on themselves, but it's all from will. It's not sustainable. At some point, <laughs> they can't keep it up. But what I believe real healing is, is like tuning into your being, your body, your heart, managing your mind and, and, and allowing what comes to come and having your discernment of like is psychotherapy or oh, this book. Okay. The, oh, this book is cool. This podcast. Um, let me try journaling. Let me try meditating. Like it's all or nothing. Just, it's, all, it's, it's always going to be kind of nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they, I start, they start, they start off like the uh, horse and the horse race, mm-hmm. and but they don't finish the race because yeah. they get burned out from the all or nothing. 
And yeah. so, and especially when they go all in, and then if they don't notice any results because they're 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 going all in, they expect a huge, mm-hmm. huge result when it may be so small they don't recognize it, and then yeah. they don't hang on to that until a next thing helps them to resolve even more. Yeah, and that's an addiction. That's an addiction to excitement. It's an addiction to um, like buying the new thing, and like we're we're all susceptible to it. Like, like, Oh, if I do this diet, if I do this thing, but we all know, okay, if I eat whole foods and I don't eat too much and I move my body and I do some weight training and I do some, like, you know, that slow, gentle kind is boring. And when you're in a all right, audience, I've, I've mentioned before audience now, uh, say, raise your hand. If you know the answer, what is my main addiction? Go ahead. Raise your hand. If you know the answer, uh, I don't see any hands out there. All right. I'm going to remind you Banana split. Okay, so that's my uh, addiction right there. So, so, all right, go ahead. I'm fine to see. That's the thing. I love brownies and cookies. Like, it's just, right? Like, that's just fun in life and taste and experience. But, like, you know, the... the well, well, I, I don't eat it seven times a day. Exactly. You know? right. And, you know, I might, uh, even though I call it an addiction, if I did it twice a month, I mean, yeah. that's a lot for me. I really don't go after it as much, but but, but they're they're great. They're great. You know, I got my banana, I'm getting some milk, the cream, you know, but too much of a good stuff is not good for you. It's not, it's not. And that's nature's wisdom. Right. So, so part of my healing journey was again, right. Nature was a place that made sense to me was starting to realize I'm nature duh again like oh i'm part of you know we're part earth and water and uh, like we're part of nature and that you know if you're a god believing person which i am in in that way it's it's that's god too like you are that you're not separate from it well if if you're i don't say religious spiritual however but you read the bible and it tells us we came from dirt (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know so we are part of Earth, as you're saying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because they and uh, you know made Adam and then Eve from the rip. So yeah, yeah, like so. So to embrace rhythm, to embrace that small, gentle kind, because that you're what you're breaking through is that ego, right? All those survival mechanisms that kept you safe when you're traumatized, you got to shed them. Like you know, you take off the winter coat in the summertime. Like your life, when you said the horse race, your life isn't a horse race. You know what I mean? There are events where you got to be on and you got to break through. You got to do the mindset. You just, you just go and you perform. And as a singer, as like, you know, I've done athletic things, you go into go mode, but that's not your life. You don't use those tools for your life. You got to use different tools. You got to, you know, in train with the aliveness and, and let yourself receive from it. And, and that was a huge thing is to just like kind of take off the armor of, like I'm scared. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And like try to soften and and learn to trust more and learn to, to become who I need to become in order to trust more. Like you can't just start trusting. That's just sort of unreasonable. It's not even kind to yourself to say, Oh, I'm going to trust more. Like you got to start developing. So when you said working on myself, um, I did my psychotherapy degree and then I still was like, not quite there doing, you know, I'm doing Reiki treatments, psychotherapy, personal training, my clients, they're having, so it was cool with my clients. They would awaken 
Like they'd be doing push-ups and running, but after six months or whatever, their body be different. They were different. And so I had this long list of clients and I was very successful because people were like, Oh my God, I, I like, it was a whole 360 transformation just by hanging out with me, which led me into the coaching world of coaching, like life coaching isn't what back then, like 2009 wasn't what it is now. Like nobody knew what it was. There was only a few trainings. Um, but the idea of being with people, guiding them until they see themselves felt super cool. <laughs> I was like, that's an amazing job. And I didn't know what it quite meant, looked like, or would be, but I was done with personal training. I don't want to be gyms all the time. I didn't know what to do. I was just like, I don't know what to do. Am I going to sing on a cruise ship? I don't know. And then I surrendered after having a temper tantrum with God. I'm just like, seriously, I'm doing all the things right. Like, come on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What am I supposed to do? Um, I surrendered. I just did what was in front of me kind of apathetically, but I just did what was in front of me. And then I met my next mentor, which was um, the ontological coaching. Ontology means how we relate to reality creates our reality. So it's really looking at, you know, in binary code, the ones and zeros of deeper, deeper, deeper of like how we're relating to reality, not just mindset, but all of it, how we are relating to reality. Mm -hmm. Not just being, um, and he invited me into his program three months in. I didn't have any money. <laughs> so, cause I'd stopped personal training. I, I had moved. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, you are a sure thing. Pay me in six months because you're going to make money from the clients. Like I, I know this for sure. And I don't know, like I, being in the industry now, like what kind of coach trainer would give that opportunity to somebody? Oh, don't pay me until you can pay me. It's it. I mean, it was just one of those things of like, okay, go down this road. But I could have said, no, I could have said, Ooh, I don't want to. I could have let the voices freak me out and not take that doorway. But I did. I, I would say if I, if, if for your listeners in all of like the stress and being in shame and not seeing the world clearly, not seeing myself clearly, there were doorways that I kind of just like, was like, okay, Oh, I'm going to go down this doorway. And I didn't overthink it, but I had discernment. There was a full body. Like I was still scared and exactly, ah, but I would be like this, you know, like where you kind of lean into something, they'd be like a go this way that you're, and that's how I think nature talks to us, right? Like the, this, this full body thing, not from just the mind. Um, and that coaching taught me, that's when I did more of the recovery work. That's when I was like, okay, how I relate to reality creates reality. And I was doing all this chaotic stuff, telling myself a creative, like I sleep when I want. And you know, like, I'm just going to do what I want when I want. And I started to develop the wonderful <laughs> consistency of like kind of a schedule, not like a schedule that someone else imposes on me, but found some rhythm, found some structure that served to give me that feeling of consistency which I don't know if you talked about this on your show, it, it, it balances your nervous system. So my nervous system was so that my life was because that, that was what I knew. So when it, to have it calm and be consistent and feel peace felt boring, it, it, it occurred as boring. So to be in that coach training, a lot of it was to be coached. 
And it was about creating this deep self relationship that wasn't imposing stuff, other people's stuff on you. It's fine. Like I call it being a self anthropologist, you know, where you're like, hmm, what does the Jenna like? And you get curious and you, does this work for me at 8am? And you try it, you got to try it for like three, six months. Does this work? Then listen to your body. Oh, you know, six works better. You, you Like, but you're showing up for you. Like I was showing up for me. There's a well-being checklist at, on my website. You can download it. Um, it'll say programs or courses and it's free. And that's what I used for three years. Three years. They, you know, they say like, oh, you do a habit in 21 days. No, like not a transformational habit. When you're like going to revolutionize your life, it's a long game. <laughs> it's it's a long game. Yes, it's a long, dedicated game. Yes. Yeah, and if you and, and people got to remember, if you veer out of the game, drop the game for a month, it's not the worst thing in the world. Just come and, back into and then pick it up and go in what you've already learned and move forward. Because there's so many people, what are they going to do? Oh, I got to go. I'm tired. Of and then they, they say, well, now I'm out of it. And I'm not going back to do it. No, no, no. Get back into it. You, I mean, you don't have to start exactly where you left off. You know, go back, do a little refresher course, mm -hmm. take what you've learned and go again. It's not the worst thing in the world to veer off. Just come back. It's part of the game. Like mm -hmm. part of the game is off season, right? So like you're going to naturally veer and then part of that is the learning. I remember I was doing the well-being checklist and it was things like how much water, like nutrition stuff, just, just take, taking note of. Am I doing the things that make me me, that make me feel like the best me I can be? Not somebody else's rules. So it's so key to like try things on. Is this for me? Because you'll, your inner self will reject things that are someone else's truth. So you got to really try them on and, and, and be curious. Be, be curious. Be willing to be like, I, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> You know, like this, this whole 5 a.m. entrepreneur thing that like that doesn't work for me. I like I like sleeping, <laughs> so I'll sleep and I have a successful business. So, it, you know, like I, you don't have to follow other people's rules. Once you start to tune into yourself, it, it tunes into you, if that makes sense. Like, like your your body wants to help you, like your body's alive, your heart's beating, like cells are dividing, like so much is happening for you that, if, you know, start to listen to it. Right. Like, how do I feel after I eat that? How do I feel with this much sleep um, and let your energy teach you as well? Like, it just takes time. Well, and again, it goes to if you're not happy with it, not seeing results or what, whatever. I'm not a five o'clock person to be able to do this. How long are you going to stick to it in anyway? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's yeah, best to find out. it's best to find a time of the day that's better for you yeah. again than nothing at all. Yes. And, and if you're, and if you're, again, if you're not a big morning person and you get up uh, in a bad mood because oh, I got to go do this again, it's five o'clock. You're not getting anything out of it. You're no. already starting off in the, in the hole trying to dig your way out. So find a time of the day that's best for you. Like you yeah. said, you don't have to mimic the, who, whoever you're getting it from with the idea you're getting it from. You just yeah. have to implement the program best for you. And everybody, I have to tell you this, everybody knows what it is. I've worked with clients for over 10 years now, taking them through this transformation from 
scurrying, striving, working hard, not feeling happy, not feeling peaceful to being, to, 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 to having a life in alignment and feeling what that feels like deeply satisfied, deeply on purpose, deeply confident. They all know they, it does, it doesn't matter who it is. I'll say, well, what time do you think makes sense? And they'll say, well, the kids are up at this time. It feels like six 30. Cause you know, I can do this. And then it's like the answer came. But then their mind was like, oh, because of this and this. But the answer was mm-hmm. 6.30. So y- you can get clear, like intuition, just, you know, a little tidbit of information. Intuition is like, bam. Like, it's not, I don't know. What do you think? Like, that's not intuition. That's your mind. Like, <laughs> so that's yeah. a mind not embodied, right? But when you get in your body and you tune in, you journal a little bit, you feel your body. These are your resources. These are the resources that help. Literally, your body is here to guide you through your life. It's not just something you have to feed and pee and, you know, fit into your skinny jeans. Like, that's not what your body is. Your body is this magnificent vehicle for life. It's amazing. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Uh, yeah. Magnificent vehicle. Yes. Right. Like That's you know, right. I had so much body, body image issues between being a singer and having all that bullying from my brother that when I actually got, it was a fitness model for two seconds. It was a lot of work. And then I was like, why am I doing this? This is really hard. <laughs> and, for two full seconds. All right. That's good. <laughs> but you know, that's so- two seconds more than me. I've never been a model. So <laughs> that's two seconds more than me. That's good. <laughs> but I was like, why am I doing this? Because, you know, I thought I needed to. I thought I need to be this thing. And then once I had it, I was in the dressing room. I was in a runway show in Toronto, which is also just mind-blowing and hilarious to me. I wasn't super, super skinny. I was, like, toned. So I was, like, the the toned, curvy curvy one in the group. And uh, But to, to do something like that um, did accomplish something for me. But it also burst the bubble of I will feel good when... I will be happy. I will be confident. It did. It wasn't, it didn't solve the problem. It didn't solve the problem. All of the other fitness models, I'm in the, the backstage and they're like, you know, I look at them. I'm like, wow, wow. Like, like just because the body is magnificent. Right. So they've done all this work. They, they look amazing. Oh, I just, oh, I bloated. Oh, like the amount of complaint, no one could see themselves. I was just like, what? Why can't it, like, why can't I see myself? Why can't they see themselves? Like, this is just, I couldn't, I didn't get there yet. Where I was like, this is bullshit. This like striving, 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 performing. is just crap. Like, this is just something we're, we're participating in without questioning it, you know? Um, and yeah, that started to like dehypnotize me from, you should be this, you should be that. If you do this, you'll feel this feeling. It's like the feelings the peace, that's all in you. Like that's here now. That's always here. Whether you're there feeling it or not, that, that is a journey you can take, but it's, it's not on the other side of the runway. It's not on the other side of that gold medal. Like if you bring your whole self into those goals, you'll be able to feel satisfied once you reach the goal. But if you do the goal to get the thing, Ooh, that sucks. Yep. I got two questions. One, when do you think people form this second voice we're talking about that's always negative? Mm-hmm. And because we have to play the game the rest of, li- the rest of li- uh, our life to uh, slap that voice 
a way, you know, to be positive. And and so manage. You, yeah. 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 So when do you, when do you think that people may or may not, and then I'll tell you when I think it is. Mm, okay. Um, no, not, not to say that you're right or wrong. I'm, no. just saying I, I'm just saying I'm right. Of course. Of course. No, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, like, okay, there's like my psychotherapist answer of like brain development, stuff like that. But I, it, it coincides with that. There, once you become like eight, your frontal lobe starts to form and you can start to be aware of yourself in the world and then be aware of like embarrassment, shame. Oh, that didn't feel good. And if you don't have parents to help you or someone to say, oh, you know, that felt really bad, but you know what? Da, 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 da. If you don't have that, that voice, that guide, that like, you're going to create this critic. You're mm-hmm. going to create this voice that is going to keep you from feeling embarrassed ever again. So it, it'll say, don't do it, or you suck, or la, la, And its goal is like a guard dog from your most vulnerable self, from mm-hmm. your most, you know, little kid self that's like, oh, I hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, we're all still in, we're all still kids. We're all still that. So the voice forms to protect us um, and then kind of mutates. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> that's my answer. Okay, well, and my mine's a little, maybe a little simpler than this, but I think that uh, we are conditioned from birth. What do mm-hmm. we do? I whine and cry when I'm hungry, and mm-hmm. someone comes and gives me what I want because I'm being negative, whining and crying. I'm whining and crying because I need to be changed. I mm-hmm. whine and cry because I want you to pick me up and hug me. And we get all this response. And then as we're getting older, we're still whining and crying about something. Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's what I think. Because we're conditioned as a baby that if I whine and cry, I know I'm going to finally get fed. I'm not going to get clean. Right. I'm not going to, of course, babies don't. No, no, no. They're just, well, they're just a, it's an instinct and, and it's yes. survival, you know, yeah. that, uh, this is this is taking place. And so I think it's, uh, we yeah. get that, from soon as the first cry, we get our first bottle and, mm-hmm. and to be quiet, if nothing else. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, for cleaning, hugging, I want to be picked up. I want to go play. I'm tired of playing. I got to go to bed. I got to take a nap. I don't want to go to bed. And yeah. so, and then, then we we give them what they want because we don't want to hear the crying. Well, so, you know, I don't totally agree with you, but. I no, think- no, no, I'm, I'm, no. I'm sure I'm totally wrong. I'm sure of no, that. But, but no, so, no, no. What happens is a kid can start to figure out how to get their needs met, but the the healthy part of crying is to is to get your needs met by using your voice. So there's like mm-hmm. a healthy element to it, but then the little kid mind can manipulate the adults if they let them, you know. Like so, you gotta kind of like keep your eye on your kids with like stuff like that. But the use of our voice to get our needs met is very natural, but we do start to develop like shame starts right from you you have a dirty diaper and you're your parents like, oh, right. Like you're just like the little being of consciousness is like, oh, I'm gross. You know, like it starts that like those do start younger than eight, but I think it really starts to form. Um, in doing psychotherapy, like there's like some people will say I was four and then I realized this and I was six and then I realized this, but I think when it really starts to mutate is that, you know, older, older ages, when it starts to feel like you and you can't distinguish between it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. 
Second, second question here, and we need to uh, start wrapping it up here in a minute there. This has been great. Uh, you, you've done an awesome job. I appreciate you you're sharing and giving a lot of tidbits in there. So I appreciate that. The little nuggets we can grab as we're going through here. Don't get overwhelmed with everything. Just grab nope. one nugget, come back and listen, grab a second nugget. All right. Yep. Now, here's here. I, I've got to ask this. Brother, still yep. alive, close oh. to you, not close to you. Have you forgiven him for? Do you don't want to forgive him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he lives in London, Ontario, which is about an hour from me. I have, I believe I've forgiven him. I also feel like there's another layer of forgiveness that I need to do, to be honest. Um, and he's very erratic. And so I've learned to set boundaries of you know, okay, you know what? I love you. You're my brother. And I'm not going to be yelled at. I'm not going to be called names. Uh, so okay, <laughs> he's, can, he's still in that phase. He's still like, he's still very ragey. And, yeah. you know, okay. it's sad to watch my mom. My you know, Obviously my dad's passed away, but it's sad to watch my mom. Who's just this like sweetheart of a woman, top grade one. You're like little six-year-old. So she has that grade one thing. Um, deal with him, you know, because it's her son. So it's different. I'm the sister. I can go and we'll have dinner on your birthday, but you can't yell at me and you can't call me names and you like, that's just unacceptable. I'll walk out. And a little tip on boundaries. If you do this, then I'll do this. So if you yell at me, I will leave. (laughs) And and don't, don't give them three chances. The very first sign, I love you. Got to go. Yeah, I've yeah. hung up on that, him. I've yeah. done like it, it. It can be a really chaotic thing because they've lost power with you, or they, you know, uh, at his core, he loves me. He doesn't doesn't know how, mm-hmm. and, and so yeah. that's not okay for me to be abused in a relationship. Um, but he won't see it that way. He's just like, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. You don't want to understand. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be yelled at. So you know, like for anybody dealing with that, I just thought I'd offer how I set boundaries. And it took me a long time to learn that, but I did not talk to him at all for several years. It was just like, nope, no to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was just wondering about that because we know that forgiveness is part of healing. Uh, yes. But, but forgiveness doesn't mean forget and oh. let everything go back to it the way it was. Uh, have the boundaries to they, they it just keeps it even healthier for both of you. Yeah. And I will say the forgiveness is that I can see his hurt self and I can see my hurt self and I could see, you know, like, so it isn't, he isn't this villain in my life anymore, which he was for several mm-hmm. years. He's my brother that acted that way. And I, you know, like, so there was that level of even Stevenness of, of, okay, you know, here we are, <laughs> like, here we are now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Gina, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up. I appreciate you being here and sharing. Go ahead and give your uh, website. Uh, you mentioned about your worksheet. Uh, yes, the well-being and, and, Yep, mm-hmm. and then checklist and and any social media and how people can contact you uh, mm-hmm. for any possible coaching. Yes, absolutely. So on social media, I am at the little A with the thing, Adventures in Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, Land like Disneyland adventures in Jenna land. That's my Instagram. And I have little posts. I've like kind of been not on it for a little while, but 
I'll come back. Um, but my website will be the best. Like you can DM me on Instagram, but my website has a contact me page. Um, so everything you need is going to be there. Jenna Smith coaching.com J E N N A Smith like blacksmith coaching.com. And on the website, uh, you will see how to contact me, um, to book a discovery call or talk to one of my staff. And then you'll see programs and there's, it'll take you to a link where there's meditations, the well-being checklist tool, which I think I've called something different, but you'll see a checklist and you can download it for free. And, and so you can start using that. The instruction booklet comes with that. So if, if what I said resonates with you, go ahead and try those on. And then my two main, like the resourcing method I do to help people connecting to your body sensations as, as, as a resource and connecting to your heart center as a resource to digest undigestible emotions and access enthusiasm, spirit, all that jazz. They are both there and they're free. So, you know, anyone can start these things now. My dad told me a long time ago, you know, you're talking about free. He says you never turn anything down. The only thing you turn down is your shirt collar. And sometimes you don't even turn that down. <laughs> when, you're not, when you keep the shirt collared up, that's back in the 50s and 60s. So, so it may not be the same in today's uh, world. So right. rocking that, yeah. Dennis Smith, appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to find yourself, find your voice, keep smacking the, uh, the little voice around and let them know who's the boss. And appreciate your helping other people out there to be able to find their voice as well, find their self-courage, find their self-confidence, their self-esteem, and become the best that they can be. So I appreciate you doing that and sharing everything. Hey, if you're listening to this, this has been a great episode. You be sure to share this out and let them know when someone else could be able to help and get some of this advice. All right. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Let's do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.